You know, um, solar panels, they don't actually talk too much, but uh, I wanted to tell you that there's this one solar panel that actually had something to say, looks over the wind turbine and asks, so what do you think about this uh, renewable energy? And the wind turbine says, I'm a big fan. Right? Uh, so if this is being recorded, I've, I've said this a couple, I've said that joke a few times before, so you've pri probably heard it on the Ford top, uh, but this is a fully sustainable joke because it's 100% recycled material. <laughs> All right. Now, sustainability in wine that we've got uh, are today, today's, let's see, how, how does this work here? Which way is it going? There it is. Why now? Sustainability in our trade. We know it's the right thing to do, right? We, we, we eventually will consider it. Uh, we care for the environment. Uh, but today, you know, we're just too busy, uh, not a priority right now, or I have internal questions like, if, gosh, where would I start? Can I afford it? Um, someday I'll take a look, right? And in that spirit, I want to consider it a priority today. And not tomorrow, but now. So, so why now? Sustainability, wine, and spirits and beverages. So, so what's the big deal? What's the so what beneath sustainability? With this brief session, I hope to answer that by first considering why the heck are we all in this room right now? Understand the why, right? And then we also want to understand the facts. Comprehend the facts. Facts matter. So I'll go over the touch on sustainability facts briefly. And then finally, I want to recognize the real opportunity from an actual business sense, a business case of sustainability in the wine and spirit sector. So let's talk about the why first. What is actually at stake? Uh, raise your hand if you have gotten overwhelmed in news about like We've only got this, the world's going to end, we've got five years, ten years, and oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And all this like wild, angry climate headlines. That you, raise your hand if you've heard that and wonder like, what does it mean the world's going to end in ten years, right? We've all heard that. So I'm a natural born skeptic, and so for me, I wanted to dig in a little bit, and I want to be very honest with you about what I think in terms of digging into that, to, the, uh, to the news. We live in a, uh, in a really busy street in front of our house. My three-year-old kid, and right when you step out, the driveway goes pretty steep, and in front, we're, cars are just racing. A little three-year-old doesn't really understand that when he plays with the ball in the garage, right, if that ball gets to the edge, it's going to roll downhill, and what's going to happen, the best case is the ball's going to dodge a few cars. It might get smushed. Worst case, he's going to run after it and get injured or, or even, God forbid, right? So I tell him, don't go near the edge. Don't go right here. And he looks at me and he's like, why? Well, because there's cars going over there. And he's like, he doesn't get it, right? 
I'm very far away from the cars. I can, the ball is right here, right? But obviously, tipping points, right? Tipping points matter. Once the ball starts rolling, it's going to go downhill, and he's going to chase after, or he might not chase after at all, right? But it's going to be gone. So this is the most important graph that I've ever looked at, and, it, and it's, it's made the rounds uh, the Stockholm Resiliency Institute uh, in Sweden uh, showed this to us, and this is what it's about. Briefly speaking, that white, that white spot right there, going up and down like this, that was a swing of about 18 degrees Fahrenheit, in a, sometimes in decades, wild rides for, the, for, for thousands and thousands of years. And only in that last little bit where it's red, for some reason, the feedback loops in the, in the, uh, in the world made the, the, the uh, temperature stable. It's about 10,000 years of stability where the degrees went up or down by about one or two or three degrees, one or, one or two Celsius, really. And from that point, civilization sprung up. The, the, the weather was consistent, seasons, the, the patterns of the seasons. Uh, we were able to domesticate wheat and corn and all these things, right? Vines and grains. Civilization essentially came out of a stable climate. We right now know that we have a variability of climate, very minor in Bordeaux, Napa, Sonoma, and so forth, right? And we could, it could just wreak havoc a little bit. Imagine a 10 or 18 degree Fahrenheit swing. So the world as we know it, within 10 years, if we don't do anything about it, is going to turn into that wild and chaotic challenge to our civilization. That is what I understood what I believe when they say the world is going to end as we know it, we're in for a tough time again unless we do something about it. So at the same time, taking a step back, what's love got to do with this? Well, you know, we can definitely fear the potential of our planet's uh, future, but research shows that fear and regret is not the most effective motivator. They're not the most effective motivators. What is? What is is optimism, and love. I don't know about you, but I love my business. I love my trade. I love the wine industry. I love the spirit industry. And you know what? Rather than we're all going to hell if we don't change this right now, I want to detour into optimism. I want to say, look, you know what? The worst case scenario, the, 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 this hockey stick that shot up has already actually changed a little bit. 23 countries have already reduced their carbon footprint in the past 10 years. Uh, 44 million a billion, I think, of divestment from fossil fuels is happening. CEOs are looking at it and Charlie going like, I think I should do something about this because otherwise, you think I should do something about this? Yeah, I think I should, right? Um, and the, 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 even though there's a lot of work to be done, the worst case scenario seems to be the worst case scenarios. The four degrees Celsius by the end of 2100 seems to have been averted for now. Isn't that kind of cool? It's a little optimistic, right? We still have a lot of work to do, but the worst, worst case scenario isn't necessarily the path that we're on. So, you know, and, and also, everybody's talking about it right now, right? The other, uh, optim the, the, the other optimistic view is that it is not unusual for us to consider the gentleman before me talking about what's your selling benefit, right? Organic or sustainable or whatever, right? The sustainability is creeping into the conversation already. We are all thinking about it. So what's love got to do with it? Everything. 
Now, not only am I a climate optimist, and I want you to be a climate optimist too, but there is a business case for embracing sustainability. The role for the wine trade to actually do something is not only concrete, there are steps, that so we'll go over them briefly, but the cherry on top is that it makes financial sense. These are exciting times for you to decide to embrace that philosophy in your business. Altruism only goes so far, right? We wanna do something that's good and right, but it has, to be, it has to make economic sense, right? And that's why this is so exciting. So let's talk about the facts. What is sustainability? It often boils down to the, the three Ps. Anybody knows what the Ps are, the three Ps? Anybody? People, planet, and profit. Sustaining people, sustaining the planet, which is the one we all think about, and, of and this hidden one is a sustaining profit. Oh, okay, so I'm supposed to make money too. Yes, sustaining your business. Um, in caring for the, the resiliency of, resilience of your employees, your communities, your business, and your environment. But, but at the same time, what does that really mean for you? Like, what is the tangible, uh, what, what, what is it? Like, what are the details? Well, I pop this open here. Most of the sustainability certifications and philosophies, not just in wine, but in, anywhere, boil down to, I, I would say in wine probably, boil down to these six shared principles in varying degrees of importance and action and rigor, you're talking about climate action, which is revolving around greenhouse gas emissions, talking about reducing your water efficiency, increasing your water efficiency, reducing your water use, energy efficiency, which is related to uh, water, but also energy, electricity, and so forth, um, social equity, what's that doing there? We'll get to that in a little bit, but that's part of the sustainability ethos in wine and spirits. Uh, and pesticide reduction, from, again, from su suggestions to really concrete and oftentimes restricted or prohibited lists. And then, of course, waste reduction. That's what, those, those are the six generally agreed upon principles that form the foundation of the sustainability philosophy and the certifications that you can participate in. Um, so it can be complicated, but it's most basic uh, sustainability. Uh, uh, Sandra Taylor, sustainability consultant on our uh, podcast, The Fort Top, uh, last week, she said, ultimately, it is fairly simple. Environmental health, social equity, and economic vitality building a diverse and resilient community. Let's dive into the, uh, speaking of melting ice caps, let's melt some misconceptions about, well, a, a couple really, because we, we want uh, to get to the questions. Uh, first of all, uh, one of the biggest uh, topics is, well, hang on, well, what about organic, right? What about uh, biodynamic, natural? Isn't that sustainable? Shouldn't I worry about that first? Shouldn't I make that be the sticker on my bottle instead of certifications that, that are sustainability or, or otherwise? Perhaps, perhaps not most sustainability champions in wine and spirits do support, want to have reduced pesticides that are synthetic or even altogether. They do want to eat organic. I feed my kids organic food all the time. I prefer that over the non-organic stuff. I get it. I'm with you. But that's only part of the bigger picture. For the climate, what matters most has, well, I'll flip it the other way, organic and biodynamic and natural. I'm going to actually show you the Pop, just blow this slide up because this is one of the most important slides that I recently discovered. 
uh, about a year ago, and I shared this on a, on a, a session with Porter Protocol. This is the relative impact of the carbon footprint for the wine trade. Um, it's not very recent, but I've done calculations. It's not that different these days. You've got a lot of stuff here that has nothing to do with farming. And if you look at the organic, biodynamic, and so forth, those are farming principles. That's really only covering the, black, the, the brown or green portion of this entire life cycle. You got 20, you got 70%. That has nothing to do uh, with that. There's no organic bottle. There is no organic water sanitation, right? There's no organic energy use, right? So this blows up much more than just the idea of pesticide reduction and synthetics removal from your vineyard. So that's one misconception is that it's not that it's it's not that one is better than the other. One is more narrow, focused on one issue, organic. Sustainability is essentially a frame of mind and a business, environmental, and, and cultural philosophy rooted in those, those concepts I told you about. Let's, remove, let's go back to that. Those six concepts, those six principles. Uh, greenwashing is now on there. Does anybody, uh, everyone knows what greenwashing is, right? Yes? Should I, should I define it real quick? Maybe, yeah. Greenwashing is taking a couple things that, or one thing you might do, install solar panels, and then say that you are now sustainable. Right? So you are using the green, one, one or two different things to then paint yourself as a sustainability or climate action warrior champion. Um, there is and has been, historically, a good reason why there's some skepticism about the loose standards, you might say, or overusing the word sustainability or, or misapplying it, right? Guess what? The people who are in charge, who have been in charge of those heads of organizations were, which were solving yesterday's problems are now solved. They've listened, they've participated, and they've heard. On average, the conversation's not stuck in the past. The word sustainability, most of the people who are the sustainability warriors kind of don't like the word because it's been diluted. But we're stuck with it, and they're taking it back. They're all warriors legitimately in wine and spirits who are leading organizations, who are putting, sinking their, sinking teeth, having, who, the metaphor is, who are growing the teeth of that certification that actually means more and more. So that word is being used more intelligently now. So in many places, and it's expanding, right? Now, last is, uh, on this page here, is do consumers actually care? Well, according to big market research, 60% of consumers, this is Accenture, I believe, is a study that did this, 60% of consumers uh, are making more sustainable or ethical purchases since the pandemic began. About eight years ago, since 2013, the sale of sustainability products has grown, grown faster by a factor of five compared to normal products. And then multiple, multiple surveys show that consumers want to support sustainability brands, but sometimes can't ID them. They don't, they don't know which one is or isn't more so than the other. Last year, a survey of 450 wineries uh, not, not, uh, 450 wine trade members uh, said 76% of them believe that the demand for sustainably produced wines and spirits 
will grow in the next decade. The bottom line is, do consumers actually care? Yes, and we, we might be actually underselling the idea and the philosophy of sustainability. So let's go ahead and recognize the opportunity. This next slide that I've got, oh, this, this right here can be an hour. Obviously, we won't. It'll, it'll be just a few minutes. But stop and think for a minute. All this talk about doing the right thing, about saving the envir environment, about uh, buying sustainable shoes, which start doing that these days, all that talk is irrelevant if business cannot thrive. Right? The profits, the, that, that third, the third P, the third P of business case, the profitability is, the, is actually the most essential part of all this because doing the right things won't matter if you're out of business doing it. So that actually has to be protected. And it, it actually gets better. What if I told you that there was a sem seminar for the next five minutes touching on points that showed resiliency, resilience, excuse me, can you say both words too, um, and ap adaptability providing a competitive edge. And that was the only topic at hand. You'd be like, I'm cool, I, I, I need a competitive edge. Yeah, sure, I'm always, I'm always willing to listen to somebody who has tips on how to improve my business or at least improve the financial resilience of my business. Which business doesn't want that, right? We all do. It just so happens to also be a path towards a more sustainable business, which I think is pretty cool. And at, at the core, it's basic economics. Better resource management is cost savings. And that's just the start, by the way. So these next couple of minutes, uh, as I mentioned, could be a multiple-day talk, really. There are, there are, there's a lot here, but I want to go over uh, very briefly uh, some points, some examples. If you own land or if you grow grapes, viticulturally speaking, you know those, uh, the carbon farming, uh, regenerative farming, uh, the feel good, like I want to be a, like, you know, I want to have bio, uh, healthy biota in my soil and I want to have all that stuff, right? It, it, it's actually saves you money if you're a farmer. How, how so? Well, if you increase the soil health, you increase the life in your soil, you increase the carbon, soil uh, a richer soil retains water uh, more, uh, more efficiently. That reduces your water costs, which are actually also energy costs, which are also just flat-out costs. It decreases your fertilizer use because your soils are healthy. You don't need to uh, uh, fertilize as much or fertigate, whichever term you want to use. And it increases your resilience on heat days. And we, we know that California, Oregon, Washington, we're getting, did you, did you see the news in Portland and Seattle a few months ago? Crossing 100 degrees? How do you think the vines fared? So, yeah, that's a, a fascinating way to actually save you money by uh, carbon farming or uh, the fancier term, not fancier, par pardon me, the more um, uh, effective term these days is regenerative farming. I'm skipping a little bit because I want to make sure we have time for questions. If you have a winery, my gosh, energy management is huge. As an example, if you take a um, if 150,000 case produ production winery, on average, your, 
your electricity costs are about 71 cents per gallon on average. Some people are, some people are 71 cents per gallon. There's costs embedded in your wine and in your spirits, of course. If you just take a look at one area of opportunity, uh, refrigeration, which is the, oftentimes the biggest sink of your, of your energy use, it's some things as simple as glycol uh, tank uh, insulation, uh, installing a variable frequency drive in your glycol pumps. They often return their uh, ROI and have an ROI of, of six to 18 months. Regular machine maintenance, checking your scaling for, uh, on the evaporative con condensers, that increases the efficiency of your equipment and the lifespan of your equipment, right? Investing in audits, energy audits, sometimes uncovers that at night your stuff is working harder than it needs to. You know, and equipment cycling on and off unnecessarily. Sometimes hot water temperature, what you need for, to, to stand, sanitize is about 160, 180, right? You don't need that for every, every moment, so you can dr uh, draw down your water temperature by uh, to, down 120, 140. That saves you thousands on natural gas. There, if you were to take, most uh, audits have discovered that they can take about 15 to 20% off of your energy, just like, not just like that, but with simple steps that are actionable steps. Saves you about 20% 20, 20 of energy savings. That's about 30 to 40, maybe $50,000 of your energy bill for a winery of, this, of 150,000 case production. I think it's pretty cool. And you're not doing it because you, you feel good about saving energy. You're doing it because you want to save money. You know, and then uh, re uh, renewable. I, I was suggesting people say, "Well, let me just slap on solar panels and I'll be done with it." Well, we, you don't want to solarize. The term is solarizing your inefficiencies. My friend Anna, director of Napa Green, says that you want to make sure that you first become more efficient. Because then what? You're able to then not invest as heavily into the solar or other renewable resource or the renewable panels or uh, sources as you would if you are at a higher level of energy. So you first become efficient, find out what your actual energy needs are, and then invest in the renewable resource. And packaging, something as simple as uh, 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 taking your foils off of your wines. I, I did that for my small little, small little winery, little dollops, they actually call them medallions on top of the, the, wax, the wax little medallions. It's kind of a cool name, it makes it sound kind of fancy. You do that instead of investing the 50 or 70 or whatever cents it is to get the capsules from Spain, right? And you're seeing a growing number of wineries and spirits not having capsules. Something as simple as that can save you uh, money, but it also reduces your waste. Um, packaging, last bit here is dry goods, uh, excuse me, uh, packaging, Crimson Wine Group dropped their glass weight by 16% and it increased the number, it reduced the number of trucks that they had to use for their, um, for their inventory and about 30% less space in a warehouse. That also saves you money if you go lighter glass as well. And there's plenty of studies that show that you don't have to, uh, consumers don't necessarily care about the heavier glass. I want to make lighter glass sexy again. I want to have a shirt that says that. I conv I've convinced, hopefully she'll take it, 
I, Jancis Robinson says, if you, have, if you have that shirt, Martin, perhaps I'll finally wear a t-shirt with a logo on it. I'm like, okay, great, let's do that. We got a lighter glass is sexy, is, 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 is coming. And that's massive. Remember that, that little, uh, the, the pie chart? Packaging is huge carbon footprint for a winery. You got marketing, PR, you got premium pricing if you actually are certified on some cases. And you have expectations. LCBO, if you want to get in the LCBO, 420 grams maximum for a glass bottle under $15. You can't go higher. So you, you have these market, markets that are shifting their expectation about something as simple as glass. It is your pathways towards buyers who are looking for sustainable products are waiting for you to differentiate your product. Consumers are waiting for you to, uh, uh, to, to make your brand more identifiable. So brand loyalty is built into all this stuff. Frankly, the affordability question is upside down. Adding value, saving long-term costs, brand loyalty, all these things I've talked about. Sustainability, in, the, sustainability in, biz, in business, you can't afford not to include it. It's a different question as opposed to saying, can I afford it? You can't afford not to. I'll cover this briefly, the hidden bottom line. Something is the third, the third part. We talked about planet a little bit, talked about profits. Third part is people, right? There's a hidden bottom, bottom line here. It's like, what is, what is this doing here? Social equity and diversity. What has this got to do with this talk? The act of caring for people, staff, workforce, and community, something is seemingly unconnected to profits, which is diversity and inclusion, are not just about doing the right thing. This actually gives you a competitive advantage that you might not have heard about. McKinsey Group, this huge, that huge uh, management consulting uh, firm, public study laid out. They have a public study. You can read it online. They, they, state they have a link. They studied a link between cultivating diversity in ge of gender, uh, mixed ethnicity, uh, cultural composition in executive roles and financial performance of a company. That diversity offered tangible competitive, an tangible competitive edge and higher profits for the business. If nothing else, think about that for a second. A diverse set of opinions and cultures allows your company to be more nimble. I noticed the word cultivate when I read that thing, and I said, why is, it, why is, that, why is that true? And I, I took a cue from, I, you take a cue from nature here. The most resilient systems in nature are those interconnected with diverse biosphere, bursting forests, multiple species, right? This web of life that's a positive feedback loop. These, those are the most resilient systems, not the monocultures. Mono the forests with multiple species, not just one set of trees. We understand it in, in, inherently, don't we? The same thing is true. Having a monoculture in your business is not a competitive edge. A polyculture of people, diverse backgrounds, and so forth. One last word here. I was thinking about that within all this, we're talking about resilience and adaptability. The world is changing fast. Not just climate, but technology and culture and new generations, wine trends and efficiencies. Weaving within this is a 360 view of adaptability. Resilience plus a full view of what it means to be adaptable is your double-edged competitive, uh, competitive edge. So from environment to economy, uh, economic social equity, taking a positive action on sustainability, be it large or small, comes with big practical paybacks. 
Uh, I've referenced my, my, uh, my colleague Anna Britton from Napa Green, and she, her clients, some clients have said, or some wineries rather have said, I don't see an increased benefit of taking care of people uh, and community employees, all this stuff. She asked, have you tried? And those that do, always, they, it's always made their business more successful, every single time. So I want to do something. Now what? I, uh, I was in a talk uh, sitting at a, a seminar in Chardonnay. I'm, I make a really freaking good Chardonnay. It's the best thing I make out of everything else I make. And I still want to make it better. And they were going over oxygen rates and transfer and so forth like that uh, a couple years ago. And there was some fascinating stuff that I was inspired. I was like, I'm ready to go and back to my winery and do something about it. And I also knew that beneath that, I was probably not going to get to it because I'm busy, right? Because I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know, I'll get to it eventually. They did a brilliant thing that, on that seminar. They put their email up and said, here, shoot me an email, I'll send you the presentation. Shoot me an email, I'll ask you a question. I'll answer your question. So, don't forget this session, if you feel like you want to do something about it, and shoot a quick email. If you want to do something about it, if I cannot help you, I'll find someone who can. Office at Reyes.wine. Put it on your phone right now and say, hey, you know what? Um, I want to have a conversation with somebody that can help me. Do that right now, and then the onus is off of you to, to remember when the session's over, to go out and be like, oh, you know, I, I was a good talk, but I, and I just never got to it. I did that with the Chardonnay guys. I'm making better Chardonnay because I shot the guy a, wine, uh, a, a note. So I'm going to skip through here. Here are some uh, certifications that you, if you're in Napa, go for there. If your uh, SIP is not regional, uh, CSWA, I can send this all in an email to you. Remember the three whys. Why are we going to be doing this? Because remember what's at stake. Remember the slippery slope and our civilization. Remember to be a climate optimist, to protect what you love, and remember that sustainable solutions can make you freaking money. Thank you. We have room for a question or two? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Any questions today for this very engaging, passionate talk? Don't be license shy. my dad jokes out if you want. Yes? I was wondering how you would consider marketing it, because I know it's very confusing to the customer. Um, that is, so it, it, it is one of the, th well, the first thing is that you, it's not the best thing to be able to market that you're doing something sustainable unless you engage with the organization that can certify you. Most of the time we're going to come across the, yeah, but are you certified? And there's a whole other talk we could talk about, about the pros and cons of certification, but it makes it easier if you're able to do that. Um, and, you, and you use a logo on the back of that, and you, you are able to use the word sustainability these days more intelligently. And by the way, shoot me an email because then I'll be able to answer more of that question. Seriously, Reyes at, uh, uh, office at reyes.wine, because it's a big question. It's a good question, too. Over here. Somebody had a question? Oh, yeah, I have a question. Yeah. Um, you presented a lot of like, interesting potential solutions. If you were going to, it's a pretty daunting task. If you were going to recommend one kind of highest ROI first step for folks who are getting their foot into this, what would you pick? Highest ROI as far, oh, as, far as uh, payback for money, uh, um, energy, energy audit be the first thing I would do. An energy audit 
That and 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 that pays most of the time it's refrigeration, and that pays for itself almost right away. You start with that, and then you start thinking about, oh, well, like, gosh, that worked. That was cool. I'm going to do a water audit next. You say water too, and water is energy, is money. So those would be the first two things I would do. Great question. And also email me if you, for more tips. Office at Reyes.wine. That's my assistant, uh, Sarah. Anything else? More joke? No? One more joke. My son, he's three years old. He's already asking me about uh, to help him to, to, to define th something as complex as solar eclipse. It's like, Papa, what's a solar eclipse? Can you define a solar eclipse? And I said, no, son. Very oh. clever. That deserves another round of applause. Thank you.